Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, this is Jackie. This is Drea. And this is episode 51. Killer cocktails. That's rad. Yeah, here we go. Woo! What are we doing today? Well, we are talking about the rum punch. Nice. And I say talking about because we had rum punches when we were in Portland. Mm-hmm. We had a fun little, I'd call it impromptu, but it wasn't really impromptu. We had a whole nother thing planned mm-hmm. and those plans went sideways and we said, well, why don't we just be friends? Yes. And have a trip to Portland. It was like a business trip, you know, like yeah. one of those bonding. Oh, trips. it was wonderful. Yeah. It was you, me, and our producer, Camry. Yeah. We did trust falls. We did light as a feather, stiff as a board. I wish we had done trust <laughs> We should falls. have. <laughs> <laughs> I um, feel like it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, it was awesome. We road tripped it over there. And we were supposed to be working on their stories. But instead, Camry... We did zero work. Camry gave us this really cool car game. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's essentially you, you pick a category. Like the like a song that songs from you, high school yeah songs, songs from high school from, yeah well, you pick whatever it is could be yeah. anything songs yeah. about cars yeah your first concert songs mm-hmm. that make you cry songs that make you giggle mm-hmm. and then you put it you you get this you make huge a playlist, playlist. You, and you have to make sure you're not looking at what other people have put mm-hmm. and then you put it on shuffle mm-hmm. and, and then you have, you have to guess not only what is the category that this song fell into mm-hmm. but then also who who put it in there yeah yeah it was and then super you, fun you get wonderful little stories as to why that song for that category it was a great game great car game uh-huh but alas we did not do our homework so this episode is coming out late and we are so sorry 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 but we are all better friends because of it yeah so you guys can take solace in that <laughs> <laughs> so we are in portland and camry also finds us the most amazing airbnb yeah it, it was awesome it was not only like just like normal nice and clean uh but it was neat no like the whole style of the house was yeah gorgeous and the decorations i say neat like cool not yeah neat, like, the, sorry not decoration the decor Ooh. and like you go out in the back and it's like a romanesque kind of feel and they have this like hot tub and then mm-hmm. these like shrubs that are amazing and this like canvas over these like lounge chairs and um it's called the Milan House. Yeah. And Michael and Sasha are the best. Oh, yeah. And they have the best cat. Oh, Wiley Cat was amazing. I love Wiley Cat. Now, Drea kept calling him Willy Cat I'm and so he was sorry. ignoring her until she got his name right. <laughs> but then, um, Michael. one of those great fat cats. Uh huh. Michael and Sasha says that Wiley has like a ton of like fans and he has these two girls who are like his little girlfriends and they always come and they stay at their place because they want to hang out with Wiley. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, they have a couple bedrooms and they have like a whole downstairs area and the basement your, was rad. Mm-hmm, you have your own like theater area and you have a massage chair. You got trapped in it. I got, it, it was quite tickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a whole kitchen and they have an espresso. Like if you need to go stay in Portland and you're looking for an Airbnb, the Milan house. Uh, look for the Milan house and that's Michael and Sasha on Airbnb. They are are amazing now no plug we're not getting anything for that we just really oh, yeah. enjoyed the play at the stage no no and like i really 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 want their cat <laughs> but i don't think they'll ever give wiley no money. i really right. don't think so all right <laughs> no but great trip and the whole so 
we went and got massages. We went and had sushi. Like, we just kind of went and did shit. Mm-hmm. And we ended up at this place called... The Punchbowl Social. Which was cool. Mm-hmm. It, we were there in, like, early in the day. So Super it was, early. It was, like, two-ish. It was not only shoulder season, but just, like, Deadsville mm-hmm. timing. So we kind of had the place to ourselves. You could imagine it when it's, like, bumping and off the chain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, like... Being in a rich person's mansion with all their toys and no one else was around. <laughs> like very eccentric. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I had gone to one of these in Minnesota. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't say that. I, I said that like eight times during the trip. You kept telling me about a Minnesota trip and mm-hmm. I didn't know why. And I kept saying how Carrie and I would order a punch bowl. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I thought that was just punch bowl. Like I had no time that that was the same place. And I was saying how it's a <laughs> chain. Oh my God. <laughs> Sometimes I just thought you were like kind of obsessed with that trip. Sometimes I had to tell me about. God damn it! Sometimes I feel like you don't listen to me. I remember every one of those (laughs) stories. All of those were conversation. I just missed the one part, which was you already been to that company. No, it's like a little. It's like a little part of the story. That was why I was telling the story. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I'll tell stories that make, where you're like, why are you telling me that? Oh I've told God. you stories where you're like, why are you telling me that? And I was like, it came in the same crystal bowl. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just thought you were making ties. Like, because <laughs> there's so many places that have punch bowls. I literally just thought you are telling me about another experience <laughs> with a punch bowl. That was a fun moment. So we go to this place <laughs> called the Punchbowl Social, which, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, is a chain. Oh, we're not cutting any of that out. <laughs> um, anywho, we're there. We essentially have it to ourselves. And um, we have this really cool bartender. His name's Jake. And um, he's really accommodating and putting up with all our shenanigans because we oh, went to play. Oh, super helpful. He's a cutie patootie. We got to play darts and we got to do karaoke. Like, mm-hmm. it was like in a, our own little room. So we belted so oh, every time they yeah. came to check on us we would have this like mortified <laughs> silence we were like mm-hmm. no no more drinks just shut the door thanks yeah. bye no, we're good thank you um but jake gave us the recipe for the punch bowl that we ordered right here on receipt paper yeah um, you can hear it uh whatever this drink was it was five parts rum haven two parts bacardi eight year two parts orgeet five parts pomegranate tea mm-hmm. and a little lime juice yeah and when i asked kimry because there's no part to the lime juice i uh-huh. said is that just lime juice to taste mm-hmm. or you I didn't just... see him he was like lapping it up with his tongue in the back he was like <laughs> <laughs> just kidding he didn't do that yeah so i don't remember what that one was called yeah um highly recommend the punch bowl social their their cocktails the are pretty good, good. Mm-hmm. the atmosphere was fun mm-hmm yeah if you're like a homebody you're not gonna like it no yeah especially if it's busy yeah yeah um so uh shout out to jake underscore feral j-a-k-e underscore f-a-r-r-e-l-l he is a future nurse and you can go see him at the punch bowl social in portland and then maybe have him draw your blood sometime there you go maybe at several occasions (laughs) (laughs) i hope at several occasions unless they're doing a blood drive yeah um all right perfect well that was your cocktail hour oh wait there's more what National Rum Punch Day is September 20th. Ooh, fun. So that's coming up. Mark your calendars. Gotcha. I recommend Rum Punch. Yeah. This was another one of our moves where we didn't trust ourselves as bartenders. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's have a professional make it. Mm-hmm. Especially in this case, I'm really glad. Because we yeah. would not have wanted to make a bowl of Rum Punch Mm-mm. and then get schwasty off of it. I mean, it was we nice did that to with be... sangria. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great time. 
Then we snuck it into a restaurant. Stop it. <laughs> no, we didn't. I won't say where. Yeah, we did. It was fun. We put it in, we, we put it in Hydra Flats. <laughs> went to a restaurant. And then asked for water. <laughs> and the water jug was like empty. And we, we were all just like. <laughs> water, yeah. And then our water. It's so stupid. We'll cut that part out. But that's funny. No. Keep that. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's like 22-year-old shit right there. I'm poor. Yeah, it's also poor shit. <laughs> All right. Enough about being poor. Let's and, jump... and ridiculous. <laughs> Let's uh, jump into the true crime. So I'm going to tell you guys about Emily Swan. So, a lady. A lady. Emily is born in 1861. All right. An oldie but a goodie. Okay, I don't know why I say it like that. Okay. She's born in England to a respectable family. And she grows up and she marries a man named William Swan, who is a glassblower. Um, so at this point, she is only four feet, ten inches tall. That's short. And she's 122 pounds. She has a round face. Uh, she has a cool little hat in this photo I could find of her. Um, but the, by the time she is 42 years old... She has 11 children. Oh, we skipped a lot of her life. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a Victorian area and we don't know much about ladies. Okay. So William is not the nicest man. And in fact, it is known that him and Emily would get into fights and he would beat her pretty bad. Mm. But this is very common during this time. So no one did anything. Yeah. Um, so they have this really large family and they need extra income. So they decide to rent out a room in their house. And they're currently living in uh, Wombwell in Yorkshire. Oh, uh-huh. East Riding of Yorkshire? Yes, yes. And uh, one day this man named John Gallagher moves in. And now some say that Emily and John start having this epic love affair, kind of like right away or yeah. it's kind of in secret. Um, but eventually people start hearing word of it. Okay. And uh, the fighting becomes worse and worse between Emily and her husband. And John finally moves out and he takes up residency like down the street at another neighbor's house. Hmm. However, John still visits Emily and the fighting continues. So he finally decides to move to Bradford. So he's like, I'm going to get out of here. This yeah. is too hot for me. I love you, Emily, but bye. So on June 6th, 6th of 1903, Emily heads to the neighbor's house that John is staying at. When she arrives, she has this big shawl covering her head. And uh, as she walks in, she sees John's there and the neighbor's there. So she starts to take off the shawl and they can see that she has two huge black eyes and I he's just... Voldemort in the back oh of my head. God. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the story of Harry Potter. <laughs> no. Um, and he's just like beat her up so oh, bad. Shoot. And this just sends John off the edge. And, he's, and he says, I'll go and give him something for himself for that. Yeah. And another neighbor reports seeing John run into the Swan's house with Emily running after him. And they can hear John saying, I'll coffin him before morning. That's quite a saying. Mm-hmm. No one says that anymore. No. Bring I'll that coffin one back. him before morning. <laughs> um, then they hear sounds of a fight break out. And um, it lasts for like 10 minutes. And then John finally leaves the house and goes back into the neighbor's place. And he tells them, I busted four of his ribs and I'll bust four more. Uh, then John tells the neighbor that I'll finish him out before I go to Bradford. And he like goes back over to the swan's house and he says, I'll murder the pig before morning. He, this guy is f- full of one-liners. Uh-huh. If he can't kick a man, he, he shan't kick a woman. Mm-hmm. Then another fight begins and the neighbor hears Emily say, give it to him, Johnny. 
Um, ten minutes later, Emily and John leave Emily's house holding hands, and neighbors say they showed every sign of affection. Meanwhile, William is laying dead inside the house. Damn. Uh, they then walk back to the neighbor's house, and they tell them what happened. Uh, the police eventually arrive, and they arrest Emily. But at this point, John has escaped, and he's on the run for two months before finally being tracked down at a relative's house. Huh. So they go to trial. And the trial begins on October of 1903, and the barrister explains how John and Emily's relationship was of a misdirected order, but explains how John had merely gone to the house to confront William for attacking Emily. Mm -hmm. uh, their defense insisted that neither John nor Emily intended to kill William. However, the judge brought up the comment heard by a neighbor when he said, I'll, fi I'll finish him out before I go to Bradford, show that there was actually intent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as for the woman, where do you land on this? Because if I was a juror and someone presented evidence to me of someone being like, I'm going to kill you, mm -hmm. that kind of, it's very inflammatory and it's going to kind of sway you a certain direction. But then you think about how many times you've heard somebody say, I'm going to kill you. With no intent. With no intent. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're just saying it. Mm -hmm. mm. No, that's true. Ooh, that's a good point. Um, so the judge says, as for the woman, it is, it is my duty to tell you that, no, uh, that one does not commit murder only with one's hands. If one person instigates another to commit murder and that other person does it, the instigator is also guilty of murder. So is he, okay. So she was the reason John went over to go beat up Swan. Uh -huh. Yep. Because she got beat up. Mm-hmm. So is he saying just by being the muse for this beating mm -hmm. or because she was like, go get him, John, like I think egging all, him on? All of it. All of it. Because that's very different. Mm -hmm. There's getting beat up and then having somebody on your behalf. Mm -hmm. And then there. Ah, OK. <laughs> uh, so after an hour, the jury ends up finding them both guilty and they are sentenced to death. I mean, it sounds like they're not remorseful. I mean, aren't they like skipping away from I the mean, murder scene? She's been a physically abused for There's, years yes, yeah yeah I, I don't think she is sad i'm i'm waffling yeah um but during the trial so john goes to the judge or somehow john is like you know i didn't really have a part in this emily was the one who killed him and oh. she, he was saying how she like had taken this poker from the fireplace and like was poking it like attacking him um but that ends up not being um, admitted for evidence during okay. the trial so that it's just hearsay yeah um but john did go and say that about emily which is i found interesting um so after she is sentenced to death emily smiles and blows a kiss to someone in the gallery as she's let out of the court Whoa. Mm -hmm. and both of their appeals are denied and their executions are set for december 29th of 1903 and then when emily hears this she just starts going like crazy she's like crying and sobbing because she thought that she was gonna yeah. get off and yeah. so when she i feel like when she blew the kiss and smiled that she was like oh this isn't gonna mm -hmm. end with my execution yeah. i'm gonna get off yeah. um so I, I do think she has remorse for the the actual killing 
Um, and then later the guards were saying how she just kept saying how like she had disgraced her family and like what will happen with the children. And um, the family kept going to the king trying to see if it could get overruled. And the it, king. The king. Um, and so on the day of the execution, they decided to hang Emily and John at the same time, Ooh. like right next to each yeah. other. Um, so a little before 8 a.m., they go and they get John and he is quiet and calm and they place a white hood over his head. Mm-hmm. So he's like on that platform. And then they go get Emily and she's moaning and she's sobbing and she's on the floor and they just can't console her. So they give her a glass of brandy and she finally calms down and they walk her out to the platform. Um, And she sees John standing there with his hood over his head and there's two nooses hanging next to him. And they lead her to the spot next to John and she says, good morning, John. And John didn't realize that she was going to be there. He thought he was just going to be hung by himself. And he replied, good morning, love. And as the noose is placed around her neck, she says, goodbye, God bless you. And a moment later, the lever is pulled and they fall to their death. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. What's your tie? Oh, um, the punching. Yeah. Yeah. Because rum punch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a lot of my information from, I didn't get to watch it, but apparently the BBC has a series called Murder Mystery in My Family. Oh. And they did like an episode on it. And they actually, I think they're the ones who did an investigation to see if it was a mistrial or not. And they ultimately decided that yeah. it wasn't. And um, I originally found this on um, this blog called the Joy, the Joe James Davis blog. And his mother, Felicity Davis, writes a really crazy story about her, the women in her family. Mm-hmm. It's called Sins of the Family. And it's just like going over this case and like what happened to the kids and how that kind of uh, cycle of abuse went to them and Whoa. that went down to her and like her kids. Huh. And so it's really crazy. So if you have time to go check out that book or that BBC series, I couldn't watch it because I have to get some kind of TV license through the UK network. Oh, there's, yeah. yeah. Sometimes BBC stuff I get really excited about and then mm-hmm. I go, well, <laughs> can't watch it. America. Uh, and I also got uh, some information from the Capital Punishment UK.org. Hmm. So that is my case on Emily Swan. Yeah. What a crazy little story. Mm-hmm. That's one of those ones where it's like, you kind of know what happened. Mm-hmm. That's one that really revolves around the trial. I'm mm-hmm. like, how is it being defended? How mm-hmm. is it being? Yeah. Because it's a woman of the Victorian age. Yeah. And she was in an abusive relationship, but that was kind of of the age and mm-hmm. it happened. And then was their intent to kill beforehand? They were having this affair Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was just, it was like really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Good story, Drea. Thanks. Um, we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back from Ooh. Not a Real Break. Yeah. Um, I've got a story for you. Okay. <clears throat> and I was talking to Kimberly when we were on our trip about how I was going to go about telling you this story. So I'm just going to launch right in. Okay. I'm going to tell you about Eric Weiss. Okay. Born March 24th, 1874. Nice. In Budapest. Oh. To a Jewish family, and his father was a rabbi. Okay. Um, he was one of seven children, and in 1878, the family moves to America. They relocate to Wisconsin, where his father is the rabbi of the Zion Reform Jewish Congregation. So he's the rabbi in charge of whatever. 
But then in 1882, his dad loses that job because everyone kind of felt like he was a little too rigid and he was kind of too old school mm-hmm. back in, you know, 1882. Mm. So then the, the family kind of struggles financially for what seems like a couple of years. In 1887, Eric and his dad move into this boarding house in New York and the rest of the family, I guess, is still in Wisconsin. And then when they move to a house and they have kind of more stable place to be, then the rest of the family comes out and joins in New York. Um, at age nine, Eric starts this trapeze act and he calls himself Eric Prince of the Air. I mean, that's a solid name. Yeah. He gets super into like magic and illusions and like escapes from things. He kind of goes on to become a famous uh, at the time, uh, like magician yeah. of sorts. But the whole time he's got this like, uh, while he's fascinated with uh, like seance people, he also like makes it his life's mission to like point out that they're frauds. Hmm. So what it seems like to me is that he wanted it to be real. And so he kept trying to like find people. And then he'd be like, you're faking it. Here's mm-hmm. how you're faking it. And he would like have whole shows where he'd like point out. Cause again, that was a big part of that time was people being really into seances and like speaking with the dead and spirits and all this stuff. And so he would find whoever's like super famous at it and he'd be like, he'd go and he'd like watch them for a bit and be like, cool, here's how they're doing it, everybody. And he'd like, that was part of his stage show Aww. was blasting them out. Yeah. So he like joins this traveling thing. There's a um, a woman he eventually meets named Bess or Bessie and they kind of travel together. Eventually they get married. They have a couple kids. Um, he has a partner at one point with his magic shows. Um, they like adopt this other name and they're pretending like they're brothers, but they're not brothers. So he kind of has this really wild and uh, illustrious life for most of it. And so I got a ton of my information came from like History Channel and a little bit from Wikipedia. There was, have you ever heard of the podcast uh, Dark Poutine? Um, I've heard about it. Yeah, uh, there's been a couple listeners who recommended it. So there's these two dudes in Canada, and that's the poutine. And they, I, I guess they do like they do true crime. They'll do just kind of interesting stories. So I listened to an episode they did on this dude, um, and they do like I like why I went and looked like they're work cited. Like they're they source stuff really well. I think they have like a ton of time to like really look into all these things. So a ton of my like facts came from there. And if you're interested by the story at all. Definitely check out their episode on Eric Weiss. Um, so you get to October 11th, 1926. Mm-hmm. And you've got Eric shackled in this like Chinese water torture is what he called it. He called it a Chinese water torture thing. So like he'd be in these tanks upside down and he'd break out of handcuffs. Mm-hmm. He'd have people... Uh, he would go on these tours and he'd go, all right, listen, Pittsburgh, bring any police officer, bring your handcuffs down. There's no way you can keep me in these handcuffs. And he would, they'd put them on. He'd go behind this little like curtain mm-hmm. and out he'd get. Hmm. He could break out of any handcuff. He could break out of all sorts of different stuff, like yeah. straight jackets. And he was really good at it. Um, so he has this performance. This is in New York. And at one point during the performance, He's struck on the leg by a piece of faulty equipment. Um, he kind of hobbles his way through the rest of what's going on. 
And later, it turns out he had a fractured ankle. Ugh. So he hurts himself on stage. He like grins and bears it through it. The, you know, the show must go on. He finishes the performance. So now he's talking to doctors and they're like, hey, man, you need to like cool it. You need to heal. And he's like, no, no, nah, man, I got shows to do. So he heads to McGill University. So now it's later in October. It's the 22nd. Um, so these students, he invites a couple students like back into his dressing room. Mm. And uh, so he's got this bum ankle that's bothering him. He's sitting down on the couch. This student named Jay Gordon Whitehead comes up mm-hmm. and he's like, Hey, I heard that like people can punch you in the tummy, and it is. <laughs> Who is it, Drea? Harry Houdini. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. So wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Before you started your story, like on the road trip, you were like, "Okay, I'm gonna tell you the story, but I'm not gonna say who it is." And because you know super this famous, person. yeah. And I and you're so bad with names. I thought that maybe <laughs> I could get away with calling him Harry. Yeah. His name is his name is Eric Weiss. Yeah. He was born Eric Weiss, yeah. and then he changed it to like Eric Weiss. Like yeah. it's gone through, and then he ended up Ugh. he named himself Houdini after somebody somebody Houdini. Yeah, like there's this whole thing about the naming. Yeah. Oh, I have to tell you something. I was yeah. like super irritated the first half of your story because because you said I knew who this person was, so I was like half listening. I'm super glad I got it. Now I'm engaged. Continue. All right. Okay. So Harry Houdini is sitting on the couch. <gasps> And, and, like, his life is fascinating. There's not enough time for me in this podcast to get into it. But, like, that Dark Poutine episode had, yeah. like, really crazy cool stuff about him. And there's, like, there's whole books. There's whole books that aren't even about Harry Houdini, like, being Harry Houdini. Mm-hmm. But there's whole books dedicated to, like, we're pretty sure Harry Houdini was a part of, like, the CIA. <gasps> and, like, there's all sorts Whoa. of crazy theories about him. Yeah. He's this short, little, like, crazy muscular. He's an interesting dude. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's sitting on this couch. This dude, Jay Gordon Whitehead, comes up and he's like, I heard I can punch you in the tummy and you're cool with it. <laughs> Let me touch, punch you in the tummy. Probably exactly how he <laughs> phrased it. Um, and Houdini's like, yeah, that's true. The way that people describe it, again, Harry's sitting in a couch. He's got a bum ankle. And the kid's like, I heard I can punch you in the tummy. And he's like, well, yeah, I mean. And the guy goes, but, but. So he wasn't prepared. No. Yeah. Punches him four times. Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, oh, and they're like, dude, I'll bet his friends are like, Whitehead, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. So then Harry's like, oh, that kind of hurts. And he like grumbles off. So then he is in incredible pain. Oh, my God. And he's like, you know what? That hurt, but I'm fine. Um. So then the next day, he's worse. And he boards this train to Detroit because he's got still a bunch of, you know, show must go on. He's got a bum ankle and now his tummy hurts. Yeah. So he's going on this train. Uh, it gets worse. He's getting these cold sweats. His feet, he gets a fever up to like 104. What the? They suspect appendicitis. He's talking to a doctor. Uh, They're like, based on everything you're saying. So he does go to the doctor. We think you've got appendicitis. Oh. And he's like, cool, but I got some shows to do. No. We'll deal with the appendicitis later. That's not how that works. So then he goes and he's performing a show and he collapses, like, like he makes it through the show. Final curtain, boom, it goes down. He falls down. <gasps> so that's his last show. <gasps> that same night, they take him to a hospital. They like prep him for surgery. They get him in there and they're like, 
dude, this guy's appendix ruptured days ago. Oh. He's just been like appendicitising inside of his stomach area. <laughs> I once had a cyst r- rupture and that was so painful. So I can only imagine how that felt. Yeah, he's poisoned himself inside. Ugh, like it's just, Harry. I don't know, it's bile? Is that just what's in Ugh, there? What are you doing, buddy? So they're like, all right. They get them all. He makes it until October 31st on Hallow's Eve. Yeah? Um, before he dies. Oh, my gosh. He's got his wife, Bess, by his <gasps> side. He's got a couple brothers. Um, he makes Bess promise him. He's like, look, I'm going to die. For 10 years, on my anniversary of my death, on Halloween, <gasps> you have to hold a seance. <gasps> And I'll come back. Oh. Does she? Yeah. (gasps) So for 10 years, she holds these seances and like, it's a bunch of hocus pocus, gobbledygook. They don't really think to, at least like what I could find, I don't think they ever like, were like, woo, Houdini came back. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my rum punch. Oh, that was super good. Episode. That was a great tie. That's a great story. I love magic there yeah i've i did not do the story justice there's so much cool stuff so go check out dark poutine check out check out dark poutine like even just like like just do a quick google you'll get a couple articles that are interesting but if there's a documentary if there's a you know point them out to like that'd be fun for us like just to sit down and watch yeah some sort of cool because again we both love magic i love magic i uh when i was younger I had one of those magic sets and it mm-hmm. came with a CD-ROM and you had like the car things. So anytime like my parents' friends would come over, I'd be like, okay, yes. we're all sitting down yes. and we're doing a magic show. That was, I think, one of my favorite things about teaching preschool was you had an audience that was enraptured <laughs> by magic. I had, I still had my old children's magic set Yeah, and you could mess it up and they still had no idea how you did it. Yes. Great. King of the Hill. Did you ever do that car trip? Where, like, you, you have four stacks of the cards. It's a one deck, but you have four stacks. Yes. And then they all the kings magically come to the top of all the piles. I like it. <gasps> I like the cup ones. Mm-hmm. I had a deck that you, like, you, like a, a marked deck. And yeah. And you can read the back of them. Oh, nothing Ooh. more fun. I, I never, like, I played trombone growing up. I never practiced my instruments. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Like, I was not about practicing. I but, sat down with that deck of cards and I learned them. Mm-hmm. Magic man. I'll do homework if it's magic. <laughs> <laughs> um, sweet. Well, thank you. You're welcome. For listening. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who she's thinking. <laughs> and for joining us this week, um, the sticker competition is over. Mm-hmm. Um, well, almost over. Uh, the votes are coming in. We're tallying them up. There's hundreds of votes, so it'll take us a while to... <laughs> no. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to think of. But anywho, uh, thank you everyone who bought a sticker. Thank you everyone who did the hashtag and entered. Shirts um, will be available for purchase soon. So if you had your heart set on one and didn't get one, yeah, we'll figure it out. All right. So I'm watching Mindhunter <laughs> and Veronica Mars, and Veronica Mars is getting real good. Oh my god, Schmidt from what? yeah no yes schmidt yes how old is this show yeah he's all young and shit you gotta watch you're gonna love it you're going to love it yeah it's just hokey enough that like you you it doesn't make you cringe it doesn't make you go ugh. you don't roll your eyes you 
I love a good level mm. of Hoke. It's good. Well, I'm I'm actually heading down to a wedding uh, this week. Load up on Veronica Mars and episodes. I'm going through SFO again, guys. So 100%, I'm going to have at least 12 hours to kill. <laughs> so I will watch all of the Veronica Marses. You need to take control. <laughs> I'm not going to berate you again. Mm-hmm. But you need to control your itinerary and the way you travel. Mm-hmm. And you need to stop. I was born in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Love that town. Mm-hmm. Stop flying into SFO. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and you know what? Maybe fly in there if that's your end destination. Mm-hmm. But that is not a place to have layovers. I know. I know. It's a place to have sleepovers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know the baristas real well there. Mm-hmm. there so yeah. Anywho. Uh, We're going to wrap this up. Thank you guys so much. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, Be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, killercocktailspodcast.com, for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus. And we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.